Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the new Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Mercagliano of the USA Today Network. And I am back for our first episode in weeks, and what a time to do it. What a day to record. It has been exciting. I have spent a lot of time looking at phones and computer screens and all that kind of stuff, but it has been keeping you on your toes. The Rangers have been for sure all day. Vincent Jr. is so excited about everything. He is currently running around in his diaper and screaming with excitement. So you might hear him in the background at some point. I have two doors between us, but I feel like I'm still hearing him. Guys, all amped up, as I'm sure many of you are. And there is lots of stuff for us to get to. Now, we are going to hit on a lot of different offseason happenings. We're definitely going to talk some NHL draft. We have Chris Peters, who has become one of our go-to prospect reporters for the show, on to dissect what the Rangers did in this year's draft. They were originally going to have four picks. They ended up with six because of the Alexander Georgiev trade. So a little more to talk about there than we had anticipated. And Chris does a really good job of breaking it down and especially talking about the couple guys that the Rangers took with their first few picks, Adam Sikora and Bryce McConnell-Barker. We're also going to talk about development camp, which is ongoing this week. I've been there for the first two days. I will be there for Thursday and Friday as well. So I've been getting a really good up-close look at not only this year's draft class, but a lot of the top prospects in the Rangers system. So definitely want to talk about all that stuff on this episode. But we have to start with free agency, which is what happened in really a whirlwind of activity for the most part, on Wednesday afternoon. Now, there's still some stuff that could trickle out in the coming days, but by and large, the heavy lifting for the Rangers and Chris Drury is done. They got a lot accomplished in a relatively short period of time. The headline, of course, is Vincent Trocek, the center who you many of you know from the Carolina Hurricanes, just turned 29 years old, has been a legitimate top six center for the majority of his career, and he is now signed with the New York Rangers, a seven-year deal worth just a little bit under $40 million. The average annual value is $5.625 million. Now, I have to tell you guys, I did not think, and I, I frankly know that the Rangers did not want to go to seven years. I know they weren't willing to do that with either Andrew Kopp or Ryan Strom. They ended up doing it with Trocek because that was really the only way for them to seal this deal. And as Chris Drury pointed out when we spoke to him a couple hours ago, by going to seven years, the Rangers were able to bring that average annual value down to a number that they could stomach and a number that they could fit because we know hanging over all the rumors 
in the last couple of weeks was the salary cap situation. And that's why those of you who have been following what I've been writing and tweeting and stuff all along have known that the rumors of Nazem Kadri, the rumors of Evgeny Malkin, those always felt like shots in the dark things that were quite frankly never going to happen for the Rangers because they simply did not have the cap space. I've been telling you guys for months and months and months that the Rangers were only going to be able to sign a center at a number that started with a five. And they were able to do that with Trocheck. I think had they tried to go shorter term, from what I'm understanding, they probably would have had to go up to six or even a little bit higher. So going to seven years brought that AAV down to a number that they knew that they could handle with their cap. Now, they still had to do some cap juggling for a variety of other reasons that we're going to get to. But Trocek ends up being their guy. And I went back because I was curious. I remembered in a conversation that I was having with somebody about a week ago where Trocek's name came up and it was becoming more clear that the Rangers were in some ways setting their sights on him. Although I'll be honest with you guys, they were setting their sights on a lot of different options. Chris Drury even said it today. And I heard this from a lot of different people in the last couple of weeks that he made calls on everybody. This is Drury's style. He likes to exhaust all options. He likes to uncover every rock, look under any rock that he can to see what might happen. That's why I I don't doubt that he made calls on Kadri. I don't doubt that he made calls on Malkin. I don't doubt that he called the Winnipeg Jets about Dubois and Shifley and the Vancouver Canucks about JT Miller. I'm sure he did all of those things. But realistically, they weren't going to be able to go to a length beyond what they did with Trocheck. That was really the high end of what they were going to be able to afford. And the years thing, listen, That will be something that I'm sure we'll be talking about for quite a few years in the future because how is that contract going to age now? I believe that's a legitimate concern. When you look at the Rangers, they have several players who are on long-term deals well into their 30s, whether it's Panarin, Kreider, Zabanajad, Truba, Goudreau, and now Trocek. Chris Drury is really making his bed with this core of players, and he's betting that Trocek can be a guy who really helps them moving forward. My understanding is that Trocek became a preference at their price point. Again, they were trying to find the balance of who do we feel like fits the style that we want to play? Who do we feel like is a legitimate second line center and who falls into our price range? Knowing that the other names that we mentioned were going to be too high for them. I think at the end, it really came down to Trocek, Cop. And Strom. And the way that they ranked him is the way that I just said it. Trocek became their number one choice. I believe the cop was their number two choice. And I believe that Strom was their number three choice. And the reasons that they prefer Trocek are a variety. Number one, of those three guys, he is the fastest. He is the best skater. And you guys have heard me repeatedly say that internally, they believe that this team needs to get faster, especially to play the in-your-face forechecking style that Gerard Gallant and Chris Drury both want this team to play. So watching Trocek and how effective he was for the Hurricanes and how smothering they can be over the course of the last few years, I think definitely planted the seed for the Rangers to want to get him. Going back to my point that I was saying about, you know, hearing about Trocek in the last couple of weeks and thinking back on previous episodes, 
I went back and, and realized that on the April 1st episode of this show, those of you who listen know I brought up Trocek's name a few times, somebody had submitted a question that week asking if Cop and Strom don't work out, who could you see the Rangers targeting? And my answer then was Trocek because I knew the Rangers liked what he brought to the table and I thought that there was a chance that he might fit in their price range. So the speed and the forechecking is definitely part of it. The defense is definitely part of it. He's considered a very reliable defensive forward, whether it's forechecking, backchecking, penalty killing. He was one of the top penalty killers for Carolina these last few years, and you can expect him to play that role for the Rangers. They believe that there is enough offense in the tank. This is a guy who scored over 20 goals four times in his career, had over 50 points last season. He has, I think, his career high is a 75-point season with Florida, so... I think it's fair to look at Strom and say, of those three guys, Strom probably slightly is the best offensive player, but I think the Rangers believe Trocek can be right there with him, and I think that they feel more confident that he's going to do some of the little things that we heard Gallant harp on that will lead to more greasy goals by getting inside, getting to the net, working hard along the boards. He is going to be better, they feel, at those aspects of the game on top of having enough skill to be a 20-plus goal scorer. And they hope mesh well with Panarin. And I can tell you guys that Trocek told us today that in his conversations with the Rangers, he was told, A, he's going to be the second-line center, and B, he is going to play with Panarin. Now, I've seen some... I'd probably call them overreactions about Trocek getting gifted the second-line center role and that blocking the path for Philip Heedle. Now, this season, I absolutely think that's going to be the case. Could very well be the case for a couple seasons. You don't know what's going to happen with Heedle. He's a restricted free agent again next summer. I've reported a few different times that they are not against talking about him in trades. That's not to say they are shopping him, but he is not an off-limits name, just like I would say Capo Caco is no longer an off-limits name. I think of the young forwards, Alexi Lafreniere is really the only one who they're not willing to discuss right now. But that's not to say they're shopping Heedle. Who knows where he ends up in the next couple of years. But in theory, I wouldn't make a huge deal out of Trocek getting the second-line center gig for now because if in time Heedle continues to blossom and earns that role, I believe that he can surpass him. And I believe that Trocek is the kind of guy who would fit in well on your third line as well. And we'll get to know him and his personality and all that kind of stuff in the coming months and years. But I think that they feel like he's not a guy who would really rock the boat if he ended up playing on the third line instead of the second line. So I I don't think that's a huge, huge concern at this point. But for all the reasons that I've stated with Trocek, the Rangers also, I should mention, because Drury mentioned this as well, face-offs. I know people look at that as not a huge part of the game, and I believe that it's not, but it also was a glaring area of weakness for the Rangers, and he was just under 55% last year. So he automatically becomes their best face-off guy. Mika is in that conversation as well. But now you have on your top two lines two really good face-off guys who are going to help you maybe gain possession in some key situations. So you check all those boxes for Trocek on top of him playing with a little edge and physicality, which you know Drury and Gallant like. They felt like 
he was the best option between Cop and Strom. Cop does a lot of those things well also, but Cop not quite as fast as Trocheck, not quite as accomplished offensively, and has not played center as consistently. So I think all of those factors led to the Rangers deciding that if they could get him, Trocheck was going to be their their preference in that let's call them B plus tier of second line centers. So Trocheck ends up being the guy that they target. They're able to successfully get him. Again, years a little surprising, a little concerning in the long run, but it's a bet that the Rangers felt like they needed to to place a bet that they needed to take to upgrade this roster. We can debate whether it's a marginal upgrade or a significant upgrade. I, I do believe that he is slightly better than Kopp and Strom. Does he put the Rangers over the top? No, I, I don't believe that that will be the case. I don't believe that any one move, as far as the centers are concerned, that the Rangers were going to make this week was all of a sudden going to make them the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup. The Rangers, to me, the most important thing for them moving forward, more than anything that they're going to do this week or in the coming weeks, which I don't think they're going to do much in the coming weeks, the the heavy lifting is done, but more than anything that especially they were going to do today on Wednesday, the biggest thing for this team moving forward is going to be growth from the young players. If Lafreniere and Kako and Heedle and Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider and then all the young guys that are coming behind them, Brennan Offman, Will Cooley, Zach Jones, whoever it might be, we know the Rangers are still pretty loaded when it comes to prospects. Those next wave of players need to develop into difference makers. They need to be, if not all-stars, then high-performing players who can play in your top nine for the forwards or, you know, in your top six for the defensemen and be impact players for the Rangers because the core is locked up. I just mentioned all those guys who are going to get paid well into their 30s. They also have Fox and Shesterkin locked up long term. The core is in place. Those eight guys, Shesterkin, Fox, Mika, Kreider, Panarin, Goudreau, Trocek, and Truba, those eight are now accounting for well over 70% of the Rangers' available salary cap space. So they have made their bed with those guys. What they need to bolster that core is, well, number one, they need that core to to be big time. But on top of that, they need young guys on entry-level contracts who are still cheap to come up and make big impacts. That is the path forward for this team. That is how they get to the promised land. If If the youth doesn't hit a lot of those guys. Not every single one of them is going to hit, obviously. But if a lot of those guys don't hit and become useful, impactful players for the Rangers, then they're probably not going to win a Stanley Cup unless Igor carries them all through the playoffs, which I guess we can't rule out given what we've seen from him. But the, the Trocek deal, I believe he makes a lot of sense. I believe he is a good fit for them. I, I th- definitely think you can quibble with the contract and the length of it, and it scares you a little bit to have that many guys under contract well into their 30s and, and knowing how tight the salary cap situation is going to be moving forward. All those things are legitimate concerns, but I think it was a solid move for the Rangers. I think it was to feel like they were taking a step forward, kind of a necessary move. But again, the biggest step forward comes from the youth 
And I will bang that drum, I'm sure, for quite a bit of time moving forward. But that is is truly what I believe is what will unlock the potential of this team. And, and again, we're talking about winning a Stanley Cup. That's the ultimate goal. They just got to the Eastern Conference Final. There's only a couple more slots to move up after that. And, and to get to that level, it's going to come down to the rebuild and all the drafting that they did and all the young players that they accumulated. Do those guys turn into a championship level group of players. So with that, the Trocheck deal is in the books. I think it is probably more exciting than maybe we thought it could have been for the Rangers. I definitely did think that if they weren't able to snag a guy like Trocheck, they were going to maybe fall back on a C-level center, maybe a third line type of guy and kind of go at it that way and then maybe readdress at the trade deadline. They were able to get Trocheck, and now you look at the lineup. Top six for the Rangers moving forward is almost going to have to include Panarin, Kreider, Mika, Trocheck, and then Lafreniere and Kako. I, there's really, right now, with the limited salary cap space that the Rangers have, they're not going out and acquiring a big-time winger. Patrick Kane is not walking through that door, folks. I know those rumors have been prevalent in the last couple of weeks. I never got any sense that there was a lot of reality behind that. And so that's your top six that you're looking at right now. You can piece them together however you want. You're probably going to have Kreider and Meek on one line. It sounds like the plan is for Panarin and Trocek to be on the other. Probably Lafreniere on right wing in the top line. And then probably Capo Caco at right wing on the second line, potentially with Panarin and Trocek. Although, you know, this is going to be a work in progress. You have to see how Trocek meshes with Panarin. There could be some moving parts, I'm sure, over the course of the season. Kako, while we're on that topic, I know I'm kind of bouncing around. If you guys can't tell, it's been a long day and my brain is firing in all different directions. But Kako, I can tell you, I'm fairly confident. I've reported this multiple times in the last few weeks. They are very close on what sounds like it's going to be a two-year bridge deal with him. Very similar to the Heedle deal from what I'm hearing. Probably going to land in the AAV range between two and two and a half million dollars. Now, when the Rangers signed Trocek and then went out and signed Yaroslav Halak, who is now going to replace Georgiev as the backup goalie, there was a brief moment in time there where they had like $1.25 million in cap space, which was not going to be enough to fit Kako. As a result of that, you saw Chris Drury go out and make a trade to offload Patrick Nemeth, sent him to the Arizona Coyotes. Now, he had to give up quite a bit to get that deal done. He gave up a second round pick. Now, the second round pick isn't until 2025. So because it's so far into the distance, maybe it doesn't sting quite as much because you're not going to have to worry about it for three years. But they gave up a second round pick and then a conditional pick that I believe is going to end up either a second or third rounder. I have to double check that off the top of my head. But they gave up quite a haul of draft picks in order to get rid of Nemeth's contract. So that will sting a little bit in the future, but I asked Chris Drury about it a little while ago, and he said that they preferred to get rid of Nemeth, clear the full $2.5 million off the cap, and then not have any cap penalties in the future versus a buyout, which would have given them $1.5 million in cap relief this season. So they essentially got themselves an extra million this season by doing the trade, 
And then the buyout would have come with future penalties. So jury preferred the trade, even though it meant sacrificing the draft picks. And now my projection in this moment is just about $3 million in cap space for the Rangers. And if you want to read a little bit more about this, I would definitely encourage you to go to loha.com slash sports slash Rangers because I broke this all down in my most recent story. I'm trying to give you guys the most accurate projection as possible. I know a lot of you go on Cap Friendly. I do as well. It's a super useful site. But they have fewer players on the roster right now than what you're actually going to see once the season starts. The Rangers have to carry a minimum of 20. The maximum is 23. My understanding right now is that they are not planning on carrying 23. 23 is quite frankly going to be too much of a stretch for them. 22 feels like the number. They don't want to go 20 or 21. If they go 22, they can have one extra forward, one extra defenseman, and that way they have a little bit of immediate cushion in case of an injury or something along those lines. So going with a 22-man roster, I'm currently projecting about $3 million in cap space and out of that $3 million, you have to pay Kako, who again is going to cost between two and two and a half. So the Rangers, after Kako is signed, are going to be looking at probably a million or less in cap space. And that means they really can't do anything else. I was kind of surprised because, as you guys know, Chris Jury is super tight-lipped about all of his plans. I asked him about Tyler Mott today who I know the Rangers were interested in bringing back and is still hovering out there in the free agent market. And Drury said it's too tight of a fit. He does not think that they're going to be able to bring him back. So ideally, they would have liked to do that. I think had they gone in the direction of a cheaper third line kind of center, you probably would have seen Mott get re-signed. But because they went with Trocheck, that pretty much rules Mott out moving forward. So, so that is your roster. We talked about the top six and what they're going to look like. The third line right now could be Heedle, Vitaly Kratsov, and Sammy Blay, maybe Barclay Gaudreau, although I think Gaudreau could also center the fourth line. But you're looking at some combination of Heedle. It very much, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it very much does look like Vitaly Kratsov is in the Rangers' plans right now. I tweeted about this a couple weeks ago as well. Multiple people have said to me in the last few weeks, you know, it really looks like things have turned with Kratzoff and he is in the Rangers' plans right now. I think a lot of that is because he's cheap, only 875000 to have him on the roster. And another part of it is if the Rangers don't trade him, and it's still, trust me, it still would not shock me if they end up trading him at some point. But if they don't trade him, they have to keep him on the NHL roster because Now, starting next season, he would have to clear waivers if they want to send him to the minors, and they are not going to risk putting him on waivers because another team would almost certainly claim him. So Kratzoff, if he isn't traded, he is going to be on this roster, and he's probably going to play then on the third line. You got him, you got Heedle, you got Blay for certain in that bottom six, you have Goudreau for certain in that bottom six, and then you're going to play around with things. The incumbents are Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt. You know that Gerard Gallant is going to put some trust in them and want to play them and probably give them a leg up heading into camp. There is some competition, though. You have 
Gustav Rydal, who the Rangers signed out of Europe. And my understanding is that there's a, at least a decent chance that he's going to get to be able to compete for a spot. They could start him in Hartford, but he could also end up being a candidate to center the fourth line. The Rangers like him and they brought him over here for a reason. You still have depth pieces like Johnny Brodzinski, who I think could maybe compete to be like a 13th forward kind of a guy. And you know he can play multiple positions. I don't see Julian Gauthier in on this roster right now, if I'm being honest with you guys. I've heard from multiple people that they are very much shopping him around, trying to at least get a late round pick in return for him. And then you got the young guys. You got Will Cooley, who is definitely going to be somewhere in the tri-state area to begin the season, probably Hartford, but he has a chance if he really opens eyes in training camp to push for a roster spot. And you have Brennan Othman. And now Othman is more of an interesting case because Othman if he does not make the NHL roster, will be required to go back to the OHL. He cannot play for Hartford this season. He's not eligible. He's still only 19 years old, and because he has a contract in the OHL, he's not allowed to break that contract yet to go to the AHL. He can only go to the NHL. So Othman is probably heading back to the OHL unless he really really wows the Rangers at training camp. They will have him at camp. He's also been at development camp, obviously, this week. So there are some intriguing options for them to fill out that that fourth line. Chris Drury also said that they plan on bringing in another, he called it low-cost center, who could compete with Rydal and compete with Brodzinski, maybe for that fourth-line center or 13th forward role. So that is what you're looking at with this roster right now for the most part. I don't think I'm, I'm missing anybody. I don't have it in front of me. But off the top of my head, that's what you're looking at for the forwards. The defense, we know what it is. Lindgren Fox, Miller Truba, Schneider. And then we'll see what happens with the sixth spot. I am of the firm belief that the Rangers should give either Zach Jones, Nils Lundqvist, or Matthew Robertson a chance You have these prospects. They've been sitting around. They had a full year in Hartford. It's time to let them compete. Pick whichever one of them you think is the most ready and see what they can do at the NHL level. And then for the seventh spot, you're going to have either Libor Hayek, who is now under contract for one more year, Jared Tenorti, who is still under contract for one more year, or Jury didn't dismiss the possibility of maybe bringing in another low-cost veteran to throw into that mix and could maybe bounce between the NHL and Hartford as well. So that is the path forward, it seems like, with this roster. They could still maybe make a trade, but as far as signings, they can't even afford a guy like Mott right now from what Drury said and just from what the cap logic tells us. So the really only final piece of business that the Rangers have to complete is signing Kako, which it certainly sounds like they're planning on doing. Drury said that that should be done soon. And beyond that, this is pretty much what they're going to do. It, it's it's This roster is looking very much complete at this point, and we'll see if it's good enough. Again, it, for me, it really comes down to more than the Trocek signing, even though I do think it helps. It comes down to the youth and how are they going to progress and what are they going to turn into. So with that, we will transition to talking about more youth, and we're going to do the really young guys with – Chris Peters, we'll dive into some NHL draft stuff. And then after that, we'll come back and I'll take some of your Twitter questions. 
The NHL draft frenzy, free agent frenzy, I should say, is going on right now. And so there's a lot of different moving parts and things that we're monitoring with the Rangers. But in the meantime, because the NHL draft still was only a a week away from now and we still haven't had a chance to cover that, I want to have a guy on who who I always lean on for for this kind of stuff and and is really going to help us break down this draft class for the Rangers. And that would be Chris Peters, who is now the senior content creator for Flow Hockey. Previously, you guys definitely know him from the Daily Faceoff, ESPN, had a few other stops along the way. So, Chris, you have been a busy man recently, just just as we have covering free agency. How are you doing and how are you settling into the new role? Well, I, you know, it's going well. I'm really excited. You know, I was able to kind of transition just before the draft started. And um, now it's like full speed ahead. So, you know, I get through the draft and was able to do some really fun content for that, you know, reviewing each draft class and everything else on, on flowhockey.tv. And then now I'm, I'm actually, as I'm talking to you, I'm in Minnesota because we are, are working with uh, the beauty league, the, the summer league up here in Minnesota. So it's, it's really it's really taken off and it's a lot of fun and I'm really happy to be here and happy to do this. So yeah. And it's always great to be with you as well. It's fun to talk draft. Yeah, no, and I appreciate the time and I definitely appreciate how thorough you are in researching all this stuff. And, you know, I've had a chance in the last week or less than a week to, to make some calls and try to get some, to know some of these guys a little bit better. I've also had a chance to watch them at development camp for a few days now, but I want to start, with Adam Sakura. Now the Rangers did not have a first round pick this year. Sakura was a guy that I know you, I believe you had him ranked in the forties somewhere. The Rangers end up getting him at number 63 overall. Most of the people that I've spoken with felt like that was a good value pick for them there. And, And I can tell you from watching him at development camp for the last few days, this is a guy who everything he does is fast. He, from one drill to the next, he looks like he's moving at full speed. You can see the skating. You can see the intensity that he plays with. And you can even feel that in interviews. I had a chance to talk to him one-on-one on Tuesday for a little while. And he even talks really fast. So this is a guy that I think just <laughs> is, is loaded with energy. And the Rangers are really excited about what he can do to add some speed, add some forecheck. I know he's considered a really good defensive forward. But, but tell us why you felt like he was a guy that made Maybe, you know, could have gone more at the top half of the second round than where he did later in the second round. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it was was built off of his performance at the World Championship. Um, you know, just getting a chance to see him in that environment and be not at all intimidated by, um, you know, playing against professionals, playing against guys that are, you know, much bigger than he is. And, and he, I mean, he's done it all year. He played professionally in Slovakia. He did well, you know, like his numbers don't jump out at you, but for a young player, they're quite good. Um, and, you know, I ranked him 47th uh, on my final list. He was, a lot of it had to do with that skating ability, the speed, the the tenacity that he plays with, the motor that he has, and not really worrying about the size because it doesn't seem to hold him back too much. You know, he is going to have to get stronger. He's going to have to get sturdier. That's just all, all players at this age do. But, you know, I think the thing that, that really stood out to me was, you know, just how the, the mentality that he has, you know, the mentality that he has in the ice, the competitiveness that he plays with, um, and just the, the, the complete lack of intimidation. You know, I mean, he just, he just goes about his business and does it at a, a very high level. And, you know, to see that really kind of come to fruition after watching him on video, some from uh, pre before the world championship, and then to, to see him put it into practice at that level uh, was pretty special as well. So, 
Um, it's it's just impressive at all that he made that team. I mean, you know, Philip Mayshar went in the first round. He was not in the mix for that national team. So um, Adam Sikora was because he's got that versatility um, and was a little bit more prepared for for the kind of role that they needed him to play. The, the fact that he spent such significant time playing against full grown men, and we I spoke to him about this yesterday. I think speaks to his willingness to, to do the dirty work. When I asked him what his favorite parts of the game were, two of the first things he mentioned are penalty killing and blocking shots, which, you know, for, for a prospect, usually, you know, those guys are thinking about scoring goals and making highlights and things like that. But he strikes me as a guy who's willing to do the dirty work. And I think that experience playing against men and the way that he's been able to find roles on that team is because he'll do those little things and because he can be a, a pesky four checker and play in a bottom six role I think that is something that you can look ahead and project and say okay well even if he doesn't pop and become a top six kind of forward this is a guy who can slot in somewhere further down the lineup and still be effective my question for you with him would be he told me that offensively he knows he has a lot of work to do he said the main way that he gets his points right now is kind of you know being around the net looking for rebounds looking for tips kind of looking for those greasy goals do, do you see him with more offensive upside or, or how do you see that side of his game evolving? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the big question and, and we're going to have to kind of wait and see on that because I, I do think that his speed and his, his, uh, his, he has skill, like he can handle pucks fine. He makes plays. Um, you know, he's got a pretty good shot too. Um, it's just a matter of, of kind of finding out when for, for him, I think it's going to be more of a sense of when it's okay to open it up a little bit. You know, he's always, so committed and focused on the defensive side. And I think when you're a young player in the professional ranks, that's probably hammered into you a lot more. We need you to be better defensively. We need you to focus more on, on your game off the puck. And, and I think for him, you know, if depending on what he does next season, you know, if he does, he, he has the option to go to junior and I'm not sure what, what the plan is there, Vince, maybe you can um, shed a little more light on, on that, but, if he does do that, that might give him an opportunity to work on those offensive elements, to be a go-to offensive player. And I think that's valuable for, for guys like him. Not to say that spending another year in Slovakian pro wouldn't help him, because obviously it did this year. I think the biggest thing that I saw in Adam Sikora was from start to finish, he was a very improved player in all aspects of the game, um, including his offensive game. You know, I think he found his way to, to figure out how to score um, at, at the higher levels. So you know, I, I do think that in the end, when you draft in that late in the second round, you're just hoping for an NHL player. And I think the Rangers found one. I, I do think that he's got a real good opportunity to be in the NHL. Now, will he be a top six guy? Probably not. I mean, I, I don't see that for him. But is he going to be a middle six guy? If he's if he's in that middle six, if he's in that, that third line in, in an energy role, there's a lot of value there. You know, can he be like a Tyler Mott? Can he be somebody like that where, and, and I think that's kind of the style that he plays and that's valuable. If you get that late in the second round, you know, you're always looking for stars. You're always hoping that you find a star that you find a gem, but I mean, getting picks outside of the first round that are NHL players still has a lot of value. So um, I, I think that's where he kind of slots in. Yeah, absolutely. That that seems to be his path. That seems to be the way that the Rangers view him. And just to answer your question about where he's going to end up next season, I did ask him about that on Tuesday. He said that he loved his experience with, with, with Nitra or Nitra. Do you say Nitra, I believe? Yep. Nitra, yeah, Nitra. I think so. Yeah, yeah he, he loved his experience with Nitra in the Slovakian League. 
and he would be happy to go back there, but he was drafted number one overall in the CHL draft for the, or the import draft, I should call it by the medicine yep. hat tigers. And he said that he's basically going to leave it up to the Rangers, which way they want him to go, whether they'd rather him come to North America play in the WHL for a season or two and, and continue to evolve his game there or stay overseas. I've heard that I think the Rangers might end up preferring him to come over. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, but he said no final decision will be made on that until after the world juniors. So that's another place to keep an eye on. He's definitely going to be playing for the Slovak team in the world juniors and, and could open some eyes there as well. So we'll see what the path forward for him is, but I, I I'm, I believe the the baseline for him is maybe being like a fourth line kind of guy who brings a lot of energy. And I'm curious to see if he can develop to the point where maybe he has a little bit more offense and can maybe play in a third line kind of role. Cause he definitely has, as you said, the energy and the intensity and the tenacity to do that kind of a thing. Let's yeah. move yeah, to the Rangers. Sure. Let's move to the Rangers next pick Bryce McConnell Barker, who they took at number 97 overall in the third round. That was the pick one of the picks that they acquired in the Alexander Georgiev trade from the Colorado avalanche. The Rangers were looking at only having four picks in this draft. They end up with six because of that trade. And McConnell Barker is a guy that a lot of people that I've spoken with have said a year or two ago, there were people who thought he might be a borderline first round guy. So Mm -hmm. there does seem to be some value there. Tell us what your thoughts are on him. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, he was definitely a guy kind of, even at the midterm, I was looking at him as, as like a fringe first early second kind of guy. Um, and I think, you know, over the course of the season, you know, the, and, and he, he very well could be one of those guys that was, was hampered by, you know, the OHL being shut down last year and everything else. But, you know, the, the production just didn't seem to match the skill. Like we weren't seeing a lot of, uh, he has skill, like he's definitely got ability. Um, you know, I think the skating needs to come along a bit more. That's probably an area where that, that, for, that caused him to drop. Um, I had him 80th on my board, um, which it's still pretty, re- you know, that's reasonably high uh, up, uh, upper third round pick. You know, that's, that's a player where a range where you would expect to potentially find some NHL players, um, you know, and so for him, I think it's just a matter of progression. He needs more reps. He needs more time. Um, you know, he just, this, this year, it didn't quite go the way that I think a lot of us thought it could based on his skill set. Um, so I think as he, as he focuses on kind of just, his skating, his experience, all those different things that are going to kind of just have to happen. Um, then he might round out, but you know, it's, he looked like a guy that was certainly on an NHL path, and now I think he's got to rediscover his game a little bit. So um, not to say that it's, it's beyond repair. Cause I think he's actually quite, quite a good player. I really do think that there's something in there, um, which is why I ranked him. You know, I, I feel like there's something there and, it's just going to be a, on him to kind of get the most out of his next couple of years. I think he's going to be a long term, longer term prospect. Um, but he's also one of those guys that wouldn't surprise me entirely if he just really pops after having a full season of experience and really looking for, um, you know, the rest of his game to come along. And I think that he has a chance to do that here in this next season. That's where, that's where I think he's going to end up having some success. That's similar to what I've heard from a few other people where they felt like because of the OHL canceling uh, a previous season due to the COVID-19, that hampered 
the development for a lot of guys that are in that league, him yeah. included. And I think that might have led to the point production not being what people were expecting it to be or hoping that it would be last season. And, and I have heard from a couple people who have said, don't be surprised if this is a guy who all of a sudden next year has a big jump and all of a sudden looks like a really good value pick for the Rangers. So I take it from the way that you're talking about this. And then this is also the consensus that I've been gathering that the Rangers did pretty good. It sounds like as far as the experts are concerned, with these first two picks, like you like the value and you like the way that the direction that they went with those first two picks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that where they got those guys is a very good spot to be. Obviously they're both, they got them later than I had them ranked with. So, you know, for me, that sounds like good value, but you know, even, even so I think that the the general consensus on those players is that there's a lot of potential there in both of them. Excuse excuse me, everybody, if you hear the phone buzzing, but we are about an hour away from free agency, so we're, we're multitasking right now, but, but definitely glad we were able to squeeze Chris in. And I want to move now, Chris, to the later portion of the draft for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, it, it's much harder to evaluate. You're really taking shots in the dark. And I it seems like the players that the Rangers took with those final four picks are guys that they hope – can develop into role players. Definitely mostly bottom six kind of guys. They didn't really take shots in the dark on, on guys with huge upside, but there's not all that much upside as you get into the later portion of the draft. So I think the Rangers were trying to identify guys that maybe could be a fourth line role player for them somewhere down the line. You saw them take guys that hadn't been drafted when they were first eligible a couple of years ago, guys that have maybe had a year or two in college to establish themselves a little bit more. And I guess the, we, we can start with at number 111 uh, later on in the or early portion of the fourth round, I should say, Noah Laba, who played in the USHL with the Lincoln Stars last year. He's a guy that I, I saw most people, in, I think, including you, did not have ranked, felt like a little bit of a reach. Do you know much on him? You know, I don't have a, a, a long, a, a large book on him, um, but the... You know, a lot of those USHL guys, you know, the the numbers for so many of those guys don't look amazing. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get to college and they're really effective players. And I think he's kind of indicative of, of the rest of the way their draft went. Like, do I think he's a lock to be an NHL player? No, not at all. Um, do I think that he can? I mean, he's got size. He's got ability. He's heading to Colorado College. So he's like, there's a – I think he was initially committed to Colgate and then he's now – I believe he's still slated to go to Colorado College. And Colorado College is actually building a pretty interesting program there. Chris Mayotte's the head coach. Um, he was at Providence, um, was, part of, uh, was part of their staff on, on their national championship team, and then also uh, has been involved in USA Hockey a lot. So he's, he's building a, a pretty interesting program out there in Colorado College as they're trying to rebuild uh, as one of the former powers. And, and Lava is one of those guys that, uh, that's going to be – you know, probably a big part of it. Um, they don't have that that top tier player, but you know, to have a few draft picks on their roster, to have some size, to, to be a little bit harder to play against, I think that's going to help them, and I think that's really going to help him as well to develop. But yeah, I mean, he's one of those kind of guys where you're just like, you know, maybe, yeah, he might work, but he certainly wasn't. He was never in the mix for me to rank. 
I, the thing that stood out to me the most about him when I looked up his stats is that he had 115 penalty minutes in like <laughs> yeah. 50 games with Lincoln last season. So he, I, it looks like he's the kind of guy who might try to get under opponent's skin and play that agitator type of role. So w- we'll see how he develops. But yeah, what I've heard on him is probably, you know, if anything, maybe a fourth line guy down down the line. The rest of the Rangers picks, we don't we don't have to go through each one of them. But does, do any of them jump out to you for reasons positive or negative? Yeah, you know, I think, interestingly enough, I I think Victor Mancini is one of those kind of players that if he didn't get drafted, he would have been a guy that a lot of teams approached as a college free agent. Um, And he's a real interesting player on a number of fronts. So Victor Mancini's dad is Bob Mancini, who's big in the development sector in USA Hockey. He's part of the American development model. He's done a lot of um, major research in, in player development and is, is really one of the best people to talk to about it. And Victor actually spent some time. It, I always, I always wondered, I've never asked Bob this, but I've always wondered if he was a bit of a, a guinea pig because he sent Victor to Ferlunda. So Victor, an American kid playing in for Ferlunda, which is one of the greatest developers of talent in the world. You know, he played in their U20 program and everything else. And now, you know, he, he spent a little bit of time last year with Green Bay, and now he, he got a full-time role with, with Nebraska Omaha. Not a lot of production, but he's athletic, he's big, he's got some skill, um, you know, so there's something there. So he's an interesting player to watch just because I think he would be a guy that's, that's going to come up later. And then uh, Barbashev as well, you know, he's the younger brother of Ivan Barbashev, and I've watched him before. You can definitely see there's possibility there. There's something there. He just – he still needs to put it together. And then, you know, Zachary Carpo was actually a bit of a surprise to me. Did not expect to see him get drafted, but he's another one of those guys that um, could be a college free agent down the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a bit of a much longer shot than any of the other guys that they drafted. Mancini has stood out to me in development camp just because he's a strong kid. Like he, he's, he's big, really, yeah. yeah, he's really well filled out, big kid. You know, you you could see why the Rangers might like him to be a physical right-handed defenseman. You know, maybe a long shot to be a bottom pair guy down the line. Could definitely see him eating up some minutes for their AHL team at Hartford. But yeah, all, all those guys seem to me like you know maybe potential role players that they were taking a shot on. Whereas the top yeah. two picks that we spoke about being Sakura and McConnell Barker are guys with maybe a little bit more upside and you project them as more likely to, to eventually somewhere down the line, reach the NHL. So Chris, we really appreciate it. It's a little different this year because the Rangers, we have always just been for the last five years, <laughs> at least before this draft loading up on picks, always had high first round picks to talk about. Not quite the same, but a little more interesting to me in, in a sense too, because now you're trying to uncover some hidden gems. And I think this is where the, the deeper scouting really comes into play. And we know that Chris Drury has made some, some changes in the scouting department as well. So we'll see if they did uncover anybody who could be useful for them down the line. Yep, absolutely. Always fun to see. And and certainly still very important, even when you don't have the firsts. Yeah, for sure. And Chris, before I let you get out of here, tell us a little bit about about flow hockey and what you're going to be doing there now that you're making, making the shift. It sounds like you guys have some exciting stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff. So yeah, if you head over to flowhockey.tv, you're going to see a lot of written content from me, um, including my draft grades from this year. Uh, did all 32 teams there and also did analysis of all the first round picks. And and you're going to see a lot more prospect content from me over the next year, you know, what, however long I'm there, really. Uh, but certainly throughout this 2023 draft season, which is going to be super exciting. Um, a lot of streaming coming to uh, to Flow Hockey as well. We've we've had it, uh, some of the some of the 
college conferences in the ECHL, but there's more on the horizon. Um, Flow Hockey actually purchased Hockey Tech, which is where Hockey TV, which has so many of the, you know, the AHL and the USHL and a lot of the junior A leagues throughout Canada. So, um, you know, we're trying to make ourselves the, the essential destination for, for people that love following prospects. And, and my hope is to contribute to that. And there's going to be a lot more beyond uh, the prospect space that we're able to do at Flow Hockey. So appreciate the chance to, to give, a, give it a shout out because I'm really excited about what we're building here. And it's, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun process. So I hope people join us uh, for the ride here. Yeah. Well, I can promise you no matter where you're writing, I'm going to be reading <laughs> that's for sure. And I will probably be bugging you to <laughs> Thanks, come buddy. on the podcast again at a certain point down the line. And really quick, just because you mentioned it, the 2023 draft class, just to give fans an idea, a lot of people seem to be hyping that up as one of the best draft classes that we've seen in, you know, you tell me how many years, is it because of Bedard and the Russian kid at the top that 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 this looks like a, a a draft that will produce stars, or is it is it the depth? Is it a combination of everything? Like what makes this draft class so special in the eyes of so many people? Yeah, well, at this very very early stage, it's all about the top of the draft. You know, like we we don't have a great sense of the depth yet because that really shifts throughout the, the draft season. But at the very top, we're really excited about Connor Bedard, Matt Vaymichkov, Adam Fantilli. Um, you know, they're, they're really the top 10 of this draft. There's a lot of high-level players that have a lot of upside. There are guys like Charlie Stramo from the national team program who's going to Wisconsin next year. Um, you know, big, big power forward, power center with, with a ton of strength and skill and speed. Um, you know, Fantilli is, is, is a big guy. So, you know, and then we've got Mitchkov and Bedard, who might be the two best goal scorers we've seen enter the draft since, Austin Matthews. Um, and... You know, in some cases, they they exceeded you know Matthews's output. You know, in in as as a as a junior player. So um, the star power at the top of this draft is is enthralling. It's why so many teams were so reluctant to trade twenty twenty three picks unless it was top ten protected or lottery protected. So um, those are those are. It's going to be a fun year. I think we're going to see a lot of teams trying to jockey for position. I think we're going to see some outright tanking this year because those are the players worth tanking for. Um, and and it's going to be interesting to watch. So, yeah, but 2023 is super exciting. Connor Bedard and Matt Mitchkov are special, special players. Obviously, we have the Russian factor with Mitchkov and, and the fact that he's under contract until 2026. So... Be patient, people. Um, but he's an amazing player. So, I mean, really, there's a lot of excitement among uh, all the teams that, that are kind of maybe going to be in that top 10 range where they can really make a find a franchise-changing player, perhaps. Interesting. Very interesting. The Rangers are not planning on being in the top 10, but it, it, it does sound <laughs> it does sound like it's going to be an exciting draft nonetheless. Got plenty of time to look forward to that. Chris, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, and, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, we are back. And thank you to Chris. Chris has really become a guy who I've leaned on quite a bit, sending DMs and questions about prospects and stuff like that all the time. And he always carves out time when I ask him to come on the podcast. So he's become one of my favorite guests, and I hope he is for you guys as well. The draft class, I think, is intriguing a little bit from that standpoint. Sakura, I mentioned it uh, on the uh, in the interview with Chris that I got a chance to hang out with him at the rink a little bit the other day, which, by the way, super refreshing. 
the situation for development camp is different than what we were dealing with during the last season when there were more COVID protocols in place. We are hanging around the rink a little more, feels a little more like old times, and we've actually been able to pull players aside when they come off the ice and have some one-on-one conversations, which was not the case last season, and it definitely looks like locker room access and all that will be restored come next season, which I'm selfishly hoping will allow me to give you guys more insight and and some, frankly, better stories where I can kind of talk to guys one-on-one, talk about their individual journeys and talk about what they're going through and talk about even, you know, how they grew up, their childhood, their upbringing, you know, adversity that that they've overcome over the years, all these different things that I felt like we were kind of limited in being able to do, like really show guys personalities. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do that more this year. And Sakura for me, has a huge personality. This guy was all smiles, happy to talk, going a mile a minute, really, really an upbeat, seems to be very positive, but also very kind of mature kid in a lot of ways. And, and I thought that he did a really good job of, of just coming over and, and saying hello and doing things that you might not expect from a 17-year-old. So Sakura, I was impressed with not only from that standpoint, but also on the ice this is a guy who seems to do everything at full speed, and I wrote about that a little bit for my most recent development camp story, which you can also find on the website. So with that, we're going to lead right into our first question of the week, which also is about development camp, and I'm glad because I didn't want to go the whole episode without mentioning it. It is an exciting thing to be a part of, even with all of this free agency stuff and draft stuff swirling. So... Thomas Ubelhauer, or Ubelhauer, I'm hoping one of those pronunciations is right, Thomas, wrote, which prospects looked the best at development camp outside of Othman and Cooley? And then he asked about Robertson, Berard, and Korzak. Othman and Cooley, I think, it almost feels like those guys are a little bit more established. I don't know if they've popped quite as much, but also the first couple of days of camp, are a lot of skating drills for part of it. They don't even have any pucks on the ice. And then they do some of these one-on-one drills and stuff like that, where you can definitely get some highlights. And I've posted some of them on Twitter, but we haven't seen a scrimmage yet. And that's what I'm really excited to see in the next couple of days is these guys getting after each other in a game setting. And I think that will help show a little more of what they have. And I think that's when guys like Othman and Cooley will stand out a bit more. You mentioned Robertson. To me, I think he's been the most impressive defenseman. That's probably not saying a whole lot given who's there because Zach Jones and Nils Lundqvist and Braden Schneider are not participating this year. The Rangers are considering those guys sort of graduated from the development camp level. None of those guys will have rookie status next season. So they are kind of a little more advanced at this point. Robertson in that group of defenseman prospects is right around the same age as those guys, but he has yet to play in the NHL. And so that's made him sort of the leader of the pack on the blue line among these guys who are at development camp. And he's been a presence for sure on the ice. And in a lot of these one-on-one drills, guys just can't get around him. He's so big and long, six foot four, not the most physical guy. He still doesn't look like hitting really comes natural to him, although we'll get a better feel for that during the scrimmages. But 
his poke checks and his stick work and his ability to stay positioned around guys and just be really difficult to get around has definitely stood out. And so Robertson is a guy who I believe could work his way into the NHL mix at some point this season. Remember, Jones and Lundquist are probably at the top of the depth chart if we're talking about competing for that sixth spot. We know that Schneider will basically have a spot locked up. But Jones and Lundquist are smaller guys, offensive-minded guys, kind of repetitive. And I think that they will come with questions about their ability to perform in the D zone. Robertson, especially knowing the way that Gallant thinks, might be looked at as a safer bet because he's considered more reliable defensively. He's bigger, more physically mature, stronger. So it would not shock me if at some point maybe he jumps ahead of a couple guys and ends up getting a look in the NHL. And so he's a guy that I've been impressed with in the early going. As far as the forwards, Bobby Trevino has been a guy that every time I see him involved in a drill, I'm just like, wow, that guy is quick. He's crafty. He's skilled. His wrist shot is really good. He's definitely got some some good work with the puck, and you could see that he's just a natural goal scorer. There are times because he's he's really small. He's he's usually the smallest guy on the ice. He's five foot eight is what he's listed at. There are times when you can see him kind of get swallowed up by bigger defensemen, but he still seems to kind of emerge from that and understand how to leverage and how to work his way around. There's been times where it looks like he's just completely smothered behind the net, and the next thing you know, he's getting a wraparound attempt. So Trevino is a guy that, as as far as what I've seen in development camp has been really impressive. And he's another guy that we know he's going to start the year in Hartford. But if he's lighting up the scoreboard down there or up there, I should say, I guess, he could definitely work his way into that bottom six mix and be a guy who adds some offensive punch. Now, is he good enough defensively? Is he going to be able to overcome the size stuff? Those are legitimate questions. But this guy works really hard and he's a really good skater. So, Trevino is a guy that I have been impressed with for sure so far at camp. On the other end of the spectrum, I wrote this the other day, a couple of the bigger guys, Adam Edstrom, who was a pick for the Rangers, I believe, in 2019, late, I think a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick, maybe even six foot eight or six foot seven guy, but moves pretty well and actually handles the puck pretty well for his size. And the same kind of goes for Matt Rempe who was a 2020 draft pick for the Rangers, also a big six foot eight kind of guy, but who moves surprisingly well for that size and is not afraid to mix it up, is a very physical presence. And maybe it's just the size, but those two guys have jumped out to me in a few different situations as far as the forwards are concerned. And then the defensemen. You just heard Chris Peters talk about Victor Mancini. That dude is strong really strong. Now, yeah, I want to see him in the scrimmage settings, but he looks to me like a steady, in-your-face, physical kind of defenseman. And I'm sure that's what the Rangers like about him. That's that's what I've heard they like about him. And then Gerard Keene. Now, some of you are definitely going to remember the name Joey Keene. He was considered a pretty, pretty highly touted prospect for the Rangers a few years ago. He was actually the guy that they sent to Carolina in the Julian Gauthier trade. His younger brother, Gerard, is doesn't have anywhere near the hype, went undrafted. But this is a guy who I've seen play really well defensively, skate well, move the puck well. 
he's deed up Brennan Hoffman in a few situations and he's gotten the better of those one-on-one battles on a few occasions, at least that I've seen. So Keen is a guy and then, listen, you know, guys like Keen and Mancini are long shots to make the NHL, probably same thing with Edstrom and Rempe, but just in this development camp setting, those are a few of the guys that I wrote about the other day that have definitely stood out to me. And then as far as the goalies are concerned, Dylan Garand has been the best guy to me. He looks like he's been the hardest to beat. He is clearly the top goalie prospect in the organization right now. And because I I actually had to get reminded this the other day, but his entry-level contract is going to start next season. It doesn't sound like he's going back to the WHL. He was named the Canadian Hockey League goalie of the year last season. It dominated that level. And now it looks like he will be coming to the Rangers organization. Now, he is not going to make the NHL roster. He's still only 20 years old, extremely young, especially for a goalie. But there's a chance he could get some playing time at Hartford. This could be a big development year for him. And then maybe next year when Halak's deal is up, maybe Grand next season could be an option to be the number two behind Igor Shesterkin. So that, that is something to keep an eye on. Olaf Lindbaum, who was the second round pick for the Rangers back in 2018, they took him in the top 40, this guy, but he's had injury issues in Europe and ups and downs and has never really had very good numbers. The Rangers are also planning to start his entry level contract. Now, we spoke to Jed Ortmeier the other day, who is the director of player development for the Rangers. He said that Lindbaum is finally healthy and the plan is also, it looks like for him to head to Hartford. Now, if you have Garand, Lindbaum, and then they also signed Louis Domingue, Louis Domingue of Pittsburgh Penguins fame, the, the third string goalie who ended up playing most of the first round series against the Rangers, they signed him to sort of play that Keith Kincaid role where he's going to go to AHL Hartford. But if the Rangers have an injury, he would probably be the first guy called up. He gives them a little bit of veteran insurance. You're going to have Domingue, Garand, and Lindbaum competing for time in Hartford. And then you're probably going to have either Garand or Lindbaum go to the ECHL, depending on you know who's performing well. And, and whichever guy ends up third in the pecking order will probably get sent down. So that's the way I see that playing out. But Garand, for sure, to me, has been the standout among the goalies in camp. And as I mentioned, they are having a scrimmage in the next couple of days. And so I'm going to have a lot more feedback for you guys on that. And I'll be writing some stories in the next days with with more impressions from development camp. But in the early going, those are a handful of the names that have stood out to me. Also, we have breaking news that will not be breaking news by the time you guys see this. But it looks like my phone is buzzing and Elliot Friedman is reporting that Ryan Strom has signed a five-year, yep, five-year, $5 million per season deal with Ryan Strom. So Strom is now signed, heading to the Anaheim Ducks five times five. Andrew Kopp, I don't know if I even mentioned this in the first part of the show, but he signed with the Detroit Red Wings at a deal for five years at 5.625, which is actually the same average annual value that the Rangers gave Trocheck. So what does all this tell you? Strom gets $5 million over five years. Cop gets 5.6 over five years. Shorter-term deals, in Strom's case, a significantly lower average annual value, 
but the Rangers still opted to go the seven and go for Trocheck. Obviously, the Rangers valued Trocheck over Strom and Cop because especially with Strom, we know he wanted to come back. You guys heard him on the last podcast last month where he was getting emotional about how much he wanted to come back to the Rangers. So the Rangers could have had Strom, I'm sure, at five times five, maybe even a little under five considering he wanted to come back here, but they opted to go in the direction of Trocheck because they feel like he's a significant enough upgrade. So that's interesting. Strom goes to Anaheim. And with that, I'm getting off topic and we're going to pivot here to the next question, which is from blah, blah, 7861, who wrote, do the Rangers have any appetite to trade Reeves? This is another question that's come up a lot today, specifically, especially because I kind of went on some tweet rants about the Rangers salary cap situation because after they locked up Trocheck and Halak, I was being the realist in the room and trying to paint the picture of exactly where the Rangers stood with the cap situation and how tight it's going to be moving forward and how limited they are as far as adding other pieces. And, you know, I just had all these people throwing names at me, let's sign Mott, let's sign this guy, let's sign that guy. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, they're not going to be able to do all that with the limited space that they have. Reeves is under contract for one more year at 1.75. And because of the fact that we saw him, especially at the end of the playoffs, those last couple of games, get bounced out of the lineup, become a healthy scratch, he's not guaranteed a lineup spot next year. So you could look at him as expendable. The Rangers' best lineup might not include Ryan Reeves. So if you could shed that salary, it would make some sense. It wouldn't be the most shocking thing to me, but I think the Rangers are content with the roster that they have right now for the most part. You know that they really value Reeves as a veteran leader and a presence in that locker room. You know Gerard Gallant loves him and feels like he's an extension of his voice and a big-time communicator, especially with some of the younger players. And you know that the Rangers love to have him not because he's going to get into a ton of fights, that, that's not the role that he played for them last year, but just the knowledge that he's got their backs and that he has a certain intimidation factor over opponents. All of those things lead me to believe that he is more likely than not going to be on the team. But if you were really dead set on re-signing Tyler Amat, which according to Chris Drury right now, it sounds like the Rangers are not and they are prepared to move on. But if they were really dead set on on signing Mott or maybe picking up another bottom six type guy like that, and they needed to clear that $1.75 million, well, then Reeves, I think, would be a logical candidate. I just, if you're asking me if I think it's going to happen, I do not think it's going to happen. That would be my answer on that. But he would be one of the few guys you could point to. But again, you know, the thing I always try to tell people when they talk about let's trade this guy to clear this cap space. Like somebody, a couple of people even said to me today, trade Dryden Hunt. Well, Dryden Hunt makes under $800,000 a year. And if you remove Dryden Hunt from the lineup, you're not saving 800,000 because you're going to replace him with somebody. And anybody you replace Dryden Hunt with is probably going to cost at least 800,000, if not more. So there's really no cap savings in that at all. And in Reeves' case, if you subtract the 1.75, Yeah, that 1.75 is what you could spend on his replacement, but it it doesn't necessarily all of a sudden give you an extra 1.75 to spend any way you like. You're basically going to have to replace him with a player, and that player 
would be able to make 1.75 or maybe a little bit more. That could be what Tyler Mott would cost. So I can see the logic. I can see why people are asking the question. But if you're asking what my sense is right now, I do not sense that the Rangers are actively shopping him. All right. Final question comes from John Solo, who wrote, Surely you'll get into what all this means for retaining the kids, but I'm specifically worried about Keandre Miller. Seems like it'd be great to lock him up long-term now and just let him be that guy you never worry about in the top four for a decade. A lot of term for other dudes now. Yeah, so John, this is a concern, and I touched on this at the bottom of the story that I wrote today. The Rangers have seemingly, with the Patrick Nemeth trade, solved their salary cap issues and found a way to squeeze everybody in for next season. But if you're projecting ahead to the 23-24 season, it's probably going to be even more difficult for them to maneuver and figure all this out. Here's the way that it stands right now. I wrote this in my story. If you add Cooley and Othman to the roster, and you have to figure those two guys will be on the roster by next season, that gives the Rangers 13 players under contract with $17.85 million in cap space. With that $17.85, they have to fill at least nine could even be 10 spots. Now, that's not including Kako. If we project him in there at the numbers that we've discussed, you're really looking at 15.5 million and you've got eight or nine spots to fill. So you divide 15.5 by eight or nine, that's not a whole lot of money to go around. And they're going to have to stretch that between Hedl, assuming he's still around, Alexi Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, Vitaly Kratsov will be a free agent. Zach Jones will be a free agent. A lot of the young guys who have been on entry-level contracts next year is when it opens up and all of a sudden all these guys need new deals. And you would probably say the most important three guys there are Lafreniere, Miller, and Hedl. For Miller, I have to wonder what that number is going to be. It's really up in the air right now. If he has a big season, if he builds on what he did last season, you could see him commanding at least 4 or $5 million a year, if not more, if he really morphs into the kind of player that his talent tells you he can be. So that's a good question. And, and now that the free agent dust has settled a little bit, I, I will try to ask that question in the coming weeks about, is there a possibility that Miller or any of these guys could get into extension discussions this early? Often these things wait when it comes to an entry-level contract and then a guy being a restricted free agent, often it waits until the summer when they are an RFA for the first time. And none of those guys, at least as far as Lafreniere and Miller, are going to have arbitration rights. But the price tag, especially if any of those guys have really big seasons, could be way up. And then how do you figure out 15.5 to sign these young guys who you know are huge parts of your future and then fill all the other holes? you're going to have in the roster. Again, you're talking eight or nine spots you're going to have to fill here. So next year, I think we'll be having even more salary cap conversations and it's going to be even tighter for the Rangers than it was this time around. But right now, we can exhale a little bit. They figured it out. Vincent Trocek is a Ranger. The majority of the holes on the roster are filled. The only thing we're waiting on is Kako. And then we'll see what happens. It was a blur of an offseason already. We're going to have more stuff to come. 
I can tell you guys, at least uh, as far as the plans are concerned for the podcast, what we're going to be doing is, I think, three more episodes this month. Few few things I want to discuss, few other topics we'll hit, a few guests hopefully that we'll be able to line up in the next couple of weeks. So basically we'll go through the month of July and that will conclude what will be season two of the podcast. Then the plan is probably going to be take August off. August is going to be family time, vacation time, chill time for me. I'll also be doing some work. I'm, I'm just getting around to starting the prospect rankings and we're going to do th- some depth chart analysis and we're going to do some lineup analysis. And I have a lot of plans for the next few months, the prospect rankings being the, the thing that will definitely take the most work and that I'll be most excited to show to you guys when it's ready. That will be a series of stories ranking the top 10 prospects in the organization and then going position by position. And, and many of you are aware and you've read it before. This will be our third year doing it. But podcast wise, it's going to be three episodes this month. We'll conclude this month. We'll go into August, which is always kind of a quiet, dead time for the NHL, take some time off, and then we'll be back raring and ready to go with the third season of the podcast for training camp in September. So with that, I'm back for a few weeks. Happy we were able to discuss everything today. Happy that a lot of stuff was settled at a reasonable hour today so that I was able to record this and not have to like pull an all-nighter. It's only 9.24 right now, not too shabby. I thank all of you for being patient the last couple weeks. I thank all of you for listening. This was fun, and we'll do it again next week. So I will talk to you guys soon.